Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. It's great to be here. Great to see you online as much as I can see you. And uh, excited for what God's doing in the place today. Hey, before we open up the Bible, um, we're going to just take a moment to pray and honor God's presence here with us. I'm just thinking as we were worshiping of a scripture in, in Luke, it was after Jesus was crucified and a couple of disciples were downcast, discouraged, walking to a place called Emmaus. And Jesus actually, after the resurrection, Jesus walking with them. They don't recognize that it's Jesus. But it says as they walked and they talked is that Jesus opened their minds to understand the scripture. And we can come to God's word over and over again. And we, many of us do. It's part of our rhythm and our habit. That's why we gather. It's one of the things that we do is we gather around God's word. But there's a difference between like hearing and, and listening. Jesus often said this. He says, if you have ears, hear. Which is a weird thing to say, but he's talking about that you, you can listen to somebody, but there's a difference between listening and hearing. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit that we need to open the scriptures so it's not just me talking to you. My words have zero power to do anything in your life. But if the Holy Spirit opens up the scripture and reveals Jesus to us, it can and does change us. It's the Holy Spirit. We welcome you in this place. We acknowledge your presence. We thank you for what you've already done. And we ask that as we come around your word and we look together as a community at what you want to say, as we look to at the person of Jesus, I pray that you'd be present with us and you would give us an ability and open our minds to be able to grasp what you're saying, Holy Spirit. Empower the words that I say to speak to our very souls. And would this not just be an exercise that we go through, like that we've done a million times? Would it not just be motions that we go through? But would you speak to us, I pray? Amen. Amen. As Janice said, we've been in this series for the past several weeks called Jesus is King. And we started a bunch of weeks back looking at how Jesus didn't come to earth just to save humanity from our sins. But he came to do more than that. He came to usher in the kingdom of heaven on earth. In putting on flesh and blood, Jesus came and he made an announcement saying that the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. It's close. It's not just this distant thing. It's not a pipe dream. But it's close. It's here and it's now. The kingdom of God is breaking out all around us until the day it comes in all its fullness. And in this kingdom that Jesus inaugurates, that Jesus announces, he is king. But he's not like the king that many of us would expect. If we were to draw up a character sketch of the type of king we would expect, it would not look a lot like Jesus in many ways. And this has been the kind of the content of our topics since that first uh, message is what kind of king is Jesus? And we've seen things like this, is that Jesus is a king that serves. He says, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. You and I, if we were king, we would be served. I can tell you I would. 
If I was the king of the king of heaven, people would serve me. But Jesus flips the whole script. He says, I haven't come to be served, but to serve. We see that Jesus is a king that eats and drinks with people who are far from God. He didn't come just to gather those who were exactly like him or believed all the same things or, or had ticked all of the boxes of what means to be religious or fit in church, but rather he created space at tables. He, he practiced hospitality and friendship with those who were far from him in order to say there's space for you. Come. Last week we talked about how Jesus is a king that heals and healing is a funny thing because we see Jesus heal over and over again. And sometimes when we pray for healing, we get healed. We believe that God does that. And sometimes we don't get healed right away. But the promise that is for us, that we anchor our faith in, is that in Jesus, all healing is ours. It might not be yet, right now, but it is one day. We will experience full and complete healing in Jesus. And today we're talking about how Jesus rests. He's a king who rests. Can we all agree that when Jesus was among us on earth, that he was a pretty important person? Like he would have had a pretty full schedule. He had lots of things to accomplish. He came to preach the good news of the gospel and the kingdom of heaven. He was healing the sick. Often we read in the gospels that he would go into a town and he would heal some and then they would bring all of the sick. Like everyone sick, come line up. Jesus would pray and heal. He did miracles. He was challenging religious leaders on a regular basis. And he had this whole thing on his to-do list, which was dying for the sins of the world and rising again from the dead. Like he had a full plate. The more that Jesus' popularity grew and people heard the things that he did, there was more demands on his time. People wanted to be around Jesus. And what we might expect of someone with this kind of portfolio, with this kind of schedule, with this kind of non-stop life, we would expect someone to just, like Jesus, just be hustling all the time, going from one thing to the next, just like living that grind kind of life, like just making things happen. This is what we expect from important people, from people who have lots of demands, is that they just are always working. They're always moving. They're always going from one thing to the next. But when we see and view the life of Jesus, what we see is a different kind of rhythm. We see a different kind of pace. Yes, Jesus worked hard. He was focused. He was resolute in his calling and his task that the Father had given him. He traveled around. He lived with a full schedule. But we also see that Jesus rested. There was a counterbalance in his life to his work and his schedule that included things like slowing, solitude, prayer, feasting with his friends, and Sabbath keeping. It was this beautiful rhythm to his life of work and rest, of activity and retreat, of activity and more and solitude. This rhythm that we see in his life. And the more that we look into this and we see this rhythm, we start to discover that it was in this rhythm that so much of the power of Jesus' life was found. It wasn't just something that sustained a little bit or gave power to the activity, but all of it gave power to the next. And as disciples of Jesus, you and I are invited into this same kind of rhythm. A rhythm of work and rest. 
Yet the principle of rest that Jesus invites us into is often dismissed by you and I. We often dismiss this idea because in our culture we don't know how to celebrate rest. Because what we understand as rest is often just laziness. And so we don't know how to deal with or understand what rest looks like. And so what we do is we've swung the pendulum to the other side. And we wear busyness and activity like a badge of honor. Like you don't follow anyone on Instagram that's celebrating how little they've done this week. There's not a single influencer that you have on your social media that's talking about how little they've done. But it's all about how hard they've hustled what kind of grind they're in, like how much they're accomplishing. And we feed into this, don't we? Like when somebody asks you, you were doing small talk in the church lobby or you meet somebody and they say, how are you doing? Like when is the last time you said, I am so rested? (laughs) Just found a great pace of life, feeling life in all of it. No, what do we say? I'm like, good, busy, good, busy, real busy. Yeah, busy. And it's like, how many times can we say that we're busy? It's like this badge of honor. Because if you said you were rested, then you would know the person you're talking to would assume that you're just lazy. That you've got nothing else to do in your life. We live in a world where rest is written off as weakness or frailty. Rest is interpreted as a lack of work ethic or no purpose in life. We live in a society where work and labor have become idols in our life. How much more can I accomplish? How much more can I do? How much more can I produce? Am I doing more than the next person? Because if I don't do enough, then I'm falling behind. That's the lie that we live in. And all of this adds up to us being human beings who are emotionally shallow, emotionally unavailable, exhausted, tired, on the verge of breakdowns, and we don't even have enough space to delight in what our lives produce because we just have to keep doing more. But the rest that's modeled in the life of Jesus, it's not laziness, nor is it excessive labor, because in scripture we read about this kind of rest That's not even just something in the middle between laziness and labor. Often we're trying to find like the middle ground, the rest that God invites us into, the rest that's modeled in the life of Jesus is not the middle ground between laziness and labor. It's something completely different. It's something far more beautiful. It's something far more powerful. And the good news for all of us is that Jesus, our King, doesn't just experience rest himself. That would make sense in one's like, he's king. He can rest all that he wants. Like we have to work. We have to hustle. We have to earn it. But he doesn't do that. He invites you and I into the rest that he models for us. A life that's marked by rest. And when I say rest, I'm not saying just a good night's sleep or physical rest. That's a good thing. We should all sleep more. But I'm talking about a deep rest at the core of our being. A soul kind of rest. It's available to us in and through Jesus. So the rhythms of work and rest that Jesus modeled, they're not just helpful tips to ultimately be more productive in our life, but it's a rhythm that's built in the very fabric of creation, the fabric of the universe. God built this rhythm all the way at the beginning. 
we look into the beginning in Genesis chapter 2, we see this rhythm instituted. We see this rhythm woven into creation. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, we kind of jump in at the end of the creation narrative, and it says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Did you catch what that just said? It said, God rested. God who needs nothing. God who the Bible says never sleeps nor slumbers. God who is sufficient in and of himself. God who needs nothing from you and I. God who never needs a vacation. God rested from his work. The very beginning, we see this principle lived out and modeled in God himself. Now, a few verses before this, it says, as God has created human beings, he said that he created man and woman in his image and likeness, meaning this, that you and I are meant to reflect, we are meant to mirror what God is like in and to the world. We are made in his likeness. Therefore, if God works, so do we. God works, so we work. Work is a very good thing. Work is not a curse. Work, is a, work was given to human beings before sin entered the equation. Work is a good thing. But because God rests, we as image bearers also rest. This rhythm we see is woven into the fabric of creation. God works, so we work. God rests, so we rest. We often like picture work and rest as opponents to one another. Like they're fighting each other. I'm either working or I'm resting, but work and rest are meant to be friends. There's a symbiotic relationship between work and rest, each giving life to the other. But I would say the curse of our age, the problem of our culture is not that we rest too much, is that we work too much. And if we do not learn to rest well, we will never learn to work well. Work will become our idol. Work will become our identity. Work will suck life out of us and not give us any. This seventh day where God rested is called the Sabbath. In the Jewish tradition, the Jews have practiced Sabbath, which is in, in their practice is stepping away from work for a 24-hour period every single week. They've been practicing this for millennia. And our culture has a lot to learn from this practice. Because the Sabbath rest is built into the fabric of creation. Now, rest is far more than a Sabbath day. But I want to argue and suggest that we will never experience the rest that Jesus is talking about without the practice of Sabbath in our life. Regularly stepping away from our work in order to delight. See, Sabbath isn't just about not working. I grew up in church, and in my experience in church, we, we talked a little bit about Sabbath, but we never really practiced it. And I was honestly thankful that we never practiced it because my imagination about what it was, it was just like, it was really boring. Like Sabbath was a day that you couldn't watch TV, you couldn't play games, you couldn't be with your friends. You just sort of sat around and talked with your family, and that just sounded like torture to me. I'm like, thank goodness we don't practice Sabbath. 
But that's not what Sabbath is. Sabbath isn't just staying, walking away from work. Sabbath isn't just about doing nothing. Sabbath is a day of worship and delight. That's what it was meant to be. It's a day that we delight in the work of our hands. We, we sit back and we see all that we've produced through God's help and we delight in that. It's a day, a day that we delight in all the gifts God has given us, all the things that we have, a day that we learn to live content. It's a day to delight in the world around you, a day to delight in God's good gifts to you, and ultimately, a day to delight in God himself, to say, God, you have all of my attention. God, you have all of my effort. It's all towards you today. Sabbath is about delight. That changes our perspective a little bit. It's not just, it's not about boring. It's about delight. How do you stack delight upon delight upon delight? That's what the Sabbath was meant to be. We read in Genesis chapter two, verse three, it says this, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. There's two words I want to highlight, the word blessed and the word holy. This word blessed means to make life. Three times in the creation narrative, God blesses. The first is when he made living creatures. He blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. The second time is when he made human beings. He blessed them and said the same, be fruitful and multiply. And then he blesses the seventh day. He blesses a day. Why does he do that? It's because Sabbath is meant to be practiced and lived out in such a way that it fills the world with life. No matter how much we might love our work, no matter how much we might find joy in what we do, it cannot replace the blessing that God gives to rest. Rest fills us with creativity, with vision, with strength, with optimism, and with hope. When we don't rest, we're sucked from all, all these things are taken from us. But these things are needed to fill the world with life. Sabbath is about giving life. The second word is the word holy. Holy is an important word. It's a word that speaks to something that's set apart, something that's weighty, something that is serious. It's a word to describe God. This is the first time we see the, this word holy in scripture. But what does God make holy? He doesn't make a space holy. Like I would, have, I would imagine that like we think of that creation narrative and he, there's Eden. I would like, that's where he should make holy is that space. That place should be holy, but he doesn't make space holy. He makes time holy because God doesn't have a holy space. God doesn't live in cathedrals or temples. God occupies holy time. This is where we find him. Not all time is created equal. God blessed and made holy, what? The seventh day. Because for six days, you and I, we will wrestle with space. We work to produce and build. But on the Sabbath day, on the seventh day, we rest in holy time. We see God do two things in the beginning. He works and he rests. In both, he invites you and I to imitate him. God builds rest into the fabric of creation. And then as time goes on, we see that he makes this rest, this rhythm, a command for his people. 
There are two different times in the Old Testament that we see the people of God receive the law, the Ten Commandments. The first time is after the people have been taken out of slavery in Egypt. They're in the wilderness and God gives them the law. Shortly after that, the people rebel and an entire generation is left to wander in the wilderness. And once that generation has passed on, the next generation is preparing to walk into the promised land. And a second time, they're given the law, the Ten Commandments. In both of these instances, there's a command to the people of God to keep the Sabbath. Both of these laws instruct the people to keep the Sabbath holy. God made it holy. The people are instructed to keep it holy. Both of these laws have great detail and explanation and rationale included in the law, in the command. But the rationale given in Exodus is not the same as the rationale given the second time in Deuteronomy. I want to read both these accounts. I want you to listen for the difference. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11 says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your sons or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 15 says this, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your ox or donkey or any animal, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. This is all very similar to what we've heard, but listen to this. It says, remember, you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. I don't know if you caught it, but I wonder if you saw the difference in these commands. In Exodus... Sabbath, the reason for Sabbath is rooted in creation. Wall that we've just talked about. We rest because God rests. In Exodus, the Sabbath is an art form. It's about tapping into the rhythm of creation. But in Deuteronomy, the command is different. The command to Sabbath is about freedom. The command to Sabbath is about an act of defiance and resistance against Pharaoh and his slave drivers. He said, remember, you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. The people of Israel had been in slavery for 430 years, meaning every single person that was part of the people of God, all they knew was slavery for generations. Slavery is all they had ever known but they had a hard time leaving Egypt, even though they were out of Egypt. It is the identity of the people. In Egypt, they were slaves. Slaves don't get to rest. Slaves are treated as less than human. Slaves' only value is in what they can produce for somebody else. But rest is a byproduct of freedom. When we keep the Sabbath day, it's an act of resistance against the Egypts of our culture. 
the Egypts that say you have to produce more and do more and be more. It's an act of resistance against the culture around us that's never satisfied with what we have. It's an act of resistance against our culture that says you are what you produce. It's an act of defiance against the culture that says you need to accumulate more. It's an act of resistance against a culture that says your value is found in your accomplishments. How much can you produce? Sabbath is a way of rejecting Egypt and saying enough is enough. I don't need more. I don't have to work more. I don't have to produce more. I don't have to buy more. I don't have to consume more. I don't need to bear the weight of the world on my shoulders because if I stop and rest, God is more than capable of running the world without me. Sabbath is a reminder of our freedom. We were once enslaved to sin and now we've been brought, made free through Jesus. And God through his law reminds us of our freedom by gifting us with rest. He says, you can step away from those things. You don't have to produce more. You don't have to accumulate more. You can stop and you can delight in all that I've given you. So God commands his people, keep the Sabbath, keep it holy. When we Sabbath, we live in the rhythm of creation. And when we keep the Sabbath, we engage together in a powerful act of resistance against the Egypts of our world. So Sabbath is a command that God gives his people, but it's not just a command. It's also a beautiful gift, an invitation, and one that we see modeled and ultimately fulfilled in the person of Jesus. If you're like me and you've read the Gospels a little bit, I've often misunderstood Jesus' position on the Sabbath. Because I read Jesus like he's constantly challenging and like breaking the rules around Sabbath. It's like every time he's at the Sabbath day, he's making somebody else mad about what he's doing. I think, well, Jesus, you must not care about the Sabbath. You must think it's unimportant. But that's not the case. What Jesus confronts so often in the Gospels is the man-made rules and regulations that had built, been built around the Sabbath. Over the course of time, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, instilled all these extra rules and regulations around the Sabbath tradition. They developed very detailed lists of all the things you could do, all the things you couldn't do, how far you could walk, what tasks were okay and what tasks were not okay. And in doing so, what they had done is taken a beautiful gift and made it just another empty religious tradition. And whether intentional or not, Sabbath had become another chain of slavery to God's people. And this is what Jesus was constantly challenging because Sabbath is about freedom. One of these accounts is found in Mark chapter 2. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. This is the equivalent of taking, like having a snack while walking, Okay. If you ever walked by like a blackberry bush or something, you're like, ooh, like take one out. That, that's what's happened here. The Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? We just read quite a bit of like the, the law around Sabbath. Nowhere does it state that you can't have a snack while walking. These are the rules that had been put around it that were man-made. 
Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abitar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. See, these religious leaders had lost the plot and missed the point. And Jesus' response to them is not about dismissing the importance of the Sabbath or the gift that it is, but it was about calling them back to what it was always about. See, the Pharisees needed to hear the second part of that statement I just read, that man was not made for the Sabbath. They got the whole thing so turned around that they turned what God meant as a gift for our flourishing and made human beings slaves to it. It was a crushing weight. Rather than this being like a weekly reminder in the rhythm of the community of of their freedom, it was another way to be enslaved. But Jesus says, human beings are not made for the Sabbath. The Pharisees needed to hear that second part. But I think you and I in our culture, we need to hear the first part of that statement. Where Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man. In a culture that places so much value on what we do and how much we produce, in a culture that often scoffs at the idea of rest, we need to be reminded that Sabbath was made for us. It's a gift. It's an invitation to experience what it means and looks like to be truly human, to enter into the rhythm of creation. Work is good and beautiful and a gift, but so is rest. And Sabbath, this rest that God offers is a pathway to healing and wholeness. See, by this time, Jesus was known far and wide as a healer. People would flock to wherever he was because they wanted to see would he heal. What was he gonna do? as we look through the gospels, we see a lot of Jesus' healing was done on the Sabbath. He could just ticked off the Pharisees all the time. Like they had so lost the plot, they'd become so legalistic that even when Jesus did good on the Sabbath, they'd lost their minds and plotted to kill him because he had made someone whole on the Sabbath. But is it a coincidence that Jesus did so much of his healing on the Sabbath? I don't think it is because Sabbath is a day for healing. Have you ever felt beat up by life? Have you ever felt tired, worn out, discouraged, raw, worn down, not knowing what to do next, empty, shallow? Have you felt those things before? Life does this to us. God gives us a gift, a rhythm, something that we can walk into. And it's called the Sabbath. And Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, comes in a particular way to do what? To make us whole again. That's what he wants, is to make us whole again. The first Sabbath in Genesis, the first Sabbath completed creation. God's work was not done 
until the Sabbath. It was not whole until the seventh day. And I believe that this is true for us, that our souls cannot be healed and whole without this kind of rest. You're not made to just work and produce and go and never stop. You were made to find this rhythm in Jesus of work and rest. Worship team, you can rest, you can get ready to join me. Every time I talk about Sabbath, I think like I need like eight more talks to try to figure this all out. I don't have eight more talks. I have a couple more minutes. So there's so many things that'll be left unsaid today. And what I'm not gonna try to give you is like, here's how you can do it. And here's when you can do it. And because one of the tendencies that we have is if we miss the principle, and if we miss Jesus in it, we just jump to the how-tos. And what we do is we become exactly like the Pharisees and we just make it about our list of to-dos and do-nots. It's not what I want to give you. I don't care what day it is. It's like, it doesn't have to be a certain day. It doesn't have to be done. Like one way that someone rests is not how you're going to rest. It's different. It's unique. There's freedom. It's a gift. There's joy in it. But rest is something you do, meaning this. If you feel bad at rest, it's a skill that you can hone. It's something that you can get better at. If you feel like, I just don't know how to stop. I don't know how to shut my mind off. I don't know how to stop working. Breathe for a minute and realize that you can grow in this. There's a lot of help that we can walk together and you can practice this. You might not feel good at it now, but you can grow. It takes practice, but it does take a decision because nobody's gonna celebrate you for stepping away from your work to rest. Like your colleagues are not gonna slow clap you when you take a day off. Like if your boss is used to you being like on call 24 seven and you finally say, I'm not going to be for this day. Like you're not going to get a raise for that right away. Like this isn't going to be celebrated by everybody. And it's really easy, easy to make it legalistic. But what I want us to leave with today is not how to do Sabbath as much as I hope that we get a glimpse of the invitation of Jesus into his rest. Because ultimately, here's what Sabbath is about. Here's what the rest that Jesus has for us is about. It's a reminder of our future in God's kingdom. Because ultimately, Sabbath is all about Jesus. Everything we get in Sabbath is found in the person of Jesus. You can take a day off and just veg out and not think about Jesus at all. And that would be good for you, but it won't give you the rest that we're talking about. Sabbath is about Jesus. It's about finding him. It's about experiencing his goodness and his grace and his love and his kindness in a whole new depth. What we experience when we practice Sabbath rest with Jesus is but a taste of what is to come in fullness because Jesus is our Sabbath rest. In Jesus, we enter this great rhythm of creation. In Jesus, we find freedom from slavery. In Jesus, we experience wholeness and healing. And this practice of Sabbath is a reminder that our rest is not something we earn through our own effort, but it's a gift that's found in the gospel. Last thought, and then we'll get ready to pray. A lot of us, you rest like this. 
we think, if I've worked hard enough, I will earn the right to rest. If I put out enough effort, then I can justify rest. Remember in the creation account, God worked for six days and then he rested on the seventh. The human beings, Adam, he was created on the sixth day, meaning his first day was rest. God works and then rests. But you and I, we receive rest as a gift. It starts with rest. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to out, like put enough out before you finally earn the right to rest. It's a gift that God wants to give. And when we live from this place of rest, it gives power and meaning to everything else. We work because God works. We rest because God rests. Can we stand together? I want to ask where you find yourself today. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Do you feel enslaved to the Egypts of our culture? Do you feel that sense of guilt every time you stop doing something? Do you feel like you've never accomplished enough? that if you stop trying to produce, that somehow you'll lose your value and your place? Do you have a sense that you're a shell of a human? That you're shallow? And do you wonder if there's more? Like maybe there's a different way to live life. Today, there's an invitation to experience rest in our souls something way better than a good night's sleep can offer. Again, don't like a good night's sleep, take it. But Jesus says, I have rest for your souls. You can find rest in me. Let me make you whole again. Let me remind you that you're free. You're not a slave to those things anymore. Like enter the great rhythm of all the universe and work and rest. It's about more than taking a day off once a week, but it's about finding ourselves in Jesus. So we're going to respond in singing and in just a couple of minutes, I'll call the prayer team up and I'll give some more direction. But I want to read this invitation of Jesus to us as we respond. In Matthew 11, Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Spirit of Jesus, we invite you into this place. And to those who are tired, to those who are worn out, to those who are burdened, who feel enslaved, I ask that you give us rest. God, give us a glimpse 
of the type of rest that you have on offer for us. Holy Spirit, would you come and in these moments, in this space that we'll create, I ask that you would fill us with your presence and with rest. Come, Holy Spirit. We're going to sing for just a few moments and then I'm going to come back. But what we're going to, we're just going to create a bit of space. We're going to try not to rush out of here. And I believe God would love to fill us and give us an experience of his rest tonight. Let's sing together. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.